With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, Godfather. A couple of days ago, I got a phone call from a very good friend, Alex Spearman, who I met years ago at a Mariners-Dodgers game up in Seattle. We just happened to be sitting next to each other, and we started talking, and we've been friends ever since. And he reaches out to me from time to time just to catch up and talk. He lives up in Tacoma. And he's always been great because he's encouraging with the radio. And mm-hmm. if he has good ideas, he'll pass them along. He goes, he goes you're not going to believe this. I just uh, had a chance to meet the San Diego chicken. He goes, this guy's story is incredible. You should reach out to him and interview him on the radio. And I trust him because he wouldn't tell me to bring someone on if <laughs> he didn't think they'd be good. And yeah. so he hooked me up with his email and I reached out. And he said, that's not a problem. We can do that. So very happy to go to the phones right now. Welcome to the show, the one, the only, the famous chicken, Ted Giannoulis is here on the Rip Street Drive. Ted, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for your time. Well, thank you for having me on, Chad and Dwight. I really appreciate this. It's a high honor. Thanks. All right. Well, we'll, we'll get to where you came from and how you got into sports or became a fan as a youngster. But I, wa- I want to start with this because your pathway is, is very similar to what mine was as a youngster. Uh, from my understanding, you were a student at San Diego State and you were a journalism major. And at the time, you're like 20 years old, and and uh, you're thinking, man, I, I need to pave the way. I need to find a way to get a job at the radio station. And this station in town was offering up an opportunity to make a couple of bucks an hour to put on the chicken suit and head over to the San Diego Zoo to give out candy to kids on Easter. Is that how that went down? Just about. Believe it or not, it's even simpler than that, uh, Chad. I was in a radio communications class the day before the Easter break, the spring break at San Diego State. And a gentleman walks in from a local rock and roll radio station. And this is a small studio classroom, basically. And he stands in the doorway. And and there's only five of us um, left behind because everyone's taken off for spring break. And he says, well, uh, our radio station's holding a promotion. We need somebody to help us out. And we all volunteer on the spot. And he cautions everybody, it's just for two bucks an hour. It's not permanent. It's only for 10 days, and then you'll be gone. And we're still eager faces going, yes, sure, anything to get our foot in the door at a real radio station. That's the way it was in the 70s. And so uh, he cautions, you're going to have to wear a chicken suit. (laughs) So all of us said, no problem. We'll empty trash cans. We'll shine records. We'll sweep the floors, whatever you need. We wanted to get uh, an opportunity at a radio station. So now he's he's beleaguered. He's got five eager faces to look at. He looks around the room quickly. He points to me in the corner. He says, you, the short guy, I think you'll fit the chicken suit best of all. And he, and he picked me on the spot, no audition, no interview, not even a job application to fill out. And he comes over, shakes my hand, says, you start tomorrow. I'll meet you at the zoo with a bag of candy Easter eggs. You're going to give them away to everybody who walks in uh, through the doors at the zoo. It was 90 seconds that changed my whole life. Okay, Ted, Dwight Jaynes here, and I had the pleasure of interviewing you here when you made an appearance at a Portland Beaver game. 
Yeah. There's a there's a big leap between handing out candy to kids at a zoo and becoming really the very first great and very first actual mascot in Major League Baseball. How did all that happen? Yes, well, you know, after I finished my stint at the zoo, uh, Dwight, I saw the Padres were opening up, and it was under new owner Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's, mm -hmm. and he was doing all kinds of things, thinking out of the box. He wanted fans in the stands. He had just saved the team from moving to Washington, D.C. at the 11th hour, literally on New Year's Eve. He bought the team, and uh, he just wanted fans in the stands, and so... I figured, you know, with this get-up, I bet I could get into opening night for free. So I called up the Padres. They agreed to let me come down, provided I gave them a plug on the radio. And I went down there and cavorted around in the grandstands. The fans had fun. And the next day, even the media, a, a writer on, on the front page even said, uh, gave me a mention saying there was a red ragtag chicken who went around the grandstands amusing the fans <laughs> and the station, the station management went nuts. So they said, we can't believe it. This guy's getting all this attention. And I was, he, 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 I was just a walk around billboard for the radio station with the call letters. It was really the first instance of guerrilla marketing. Uh, and, and so uh, the station was agreeable to let me go back and the Padres were welcoming me. And I just, uh, goofed around, and that's how it began. Fans started laughing, Dwight. Fan, the media had fun with it. It was so off the wall that it was preposterous. <laughs> that is but incredible. It was attracting a lot of attention, and the Padres didn't care because why Ray Kroc's number one, number one uh, commandment was, are, are my customers happy? And his customers, in this case, were the Padre fans, and they were certainly enjoying it. And so they simply said, let that boy boogie woogie. And they let me go on. <laughs> and you got to the field. They actually ended up letting you be on the field, right? Yes. Yes, it was the Padres' idea for me to go on the field. I just didn't bolt on my own. No, I, you know, I, I, I knew my parameters, and, and uh, I was their guest. And, the, and it was the uh, president of the team, Ballard Smith, who came to me and said, our fans are having so much fun with you in the grandstands. Will you go on the field in the fifth inning of uh, tonight's game to do something funny? And I had no idea what to do. Nothing. But I said, well, I'll, I'll think of something. I'll try. So comes the fifth inning. I jump on the field, and the fans are going crazy. There's a loose chicken on the field. This isn't so. It shouldn't be. And uh, the fans are screaming in hysterics. And I didn't know what to do, guys. But I saw a third base umpire, the late Art Williams, uh, in fact, the National League's first black umpire, and he was off of third base, and he was laughing, and I said, there's a friendly face. I'm going to him. I'll think of something. And so as I go up to him, I don't know what I do, and I extend my hand to shake his, and as he grip, grips my hand to shake, I, it comes to me right then. I'm going to pretend like I walk away and pantomime that he's not letting go. He trips me up. And then I'm going to get into a Billy Martin-styled argument with him <laughs> for pulling a prank on me. And I do this, and he's, he doesn't know what's going on. The fans are uproarious. The chicken is picking an, a fight with the umpire. And, and, and poor Art Williams, he thinks his, his umpire mates have put him up to it. 
And he turns to them, and they got their hands up. Don't look at us. We got nothing to do with this. <laughs> and, and so I, I, I uh, complete my argument with them, and I finish it with a raised leg salute, all improvisational, uh, impromptu. And uh, and the uh, the audience just went. The, it, the scream of laughter was so loud, fellas. I'm telling you, it showed up on the Richter scale. And I bolt off the, the field, and um, the Padres, it, 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 even the players stopped warming up on the field to see what the heck was going on. Uh. And uh, uh, it, was, it was an incredible moment. It was really a defining moment for me that gave me a lot of confidence to, to try other chicken sticks, so to speak. <laughs> We're talking with Ted Giannolis, the uh, San Diego chicken here on the Rip City Drive. You mentioned the guerrilla marketing. I read that that radio station that – uh, that you were working for that had the chicken suit because you were using the guerrilla marketing with uh, the station call letters on it, that it was it in last place. And you, and then with the attention it ended up being number one in the ratings. Is that true? Yes. Believe it or not. It was a rock and roll radio station having difficulty getting any traction in the ratings, but uh, they stayed with it. Uh, they were playing album oriented uh, rock and roll, not your necessarily top 40 stuff, but we did have a AM radio station uh, KGB AM and KGB FM. The AM played all the top 40, and and uh, and this was uh, the FM side that was uh, more popular with the college kids and such, but not not getting much traction in the ratings. But something mysteriously happened. Without changing a single disc jockey or anything else in the format, the ratings mysteriously started to rise and go up and up and up. And within 16 to 18 months, KGB was number one in the ratings, and the only thing that they added to it, guys, was a guy in a chicken suit, an ambassador at large, to go around town representing the call letters, and it got that kind of attention. It, it was so effective that they immediately spilled over into doing TV commercials with me, uh, billboards, uh, even making T-shirts up to give away, and it was... Uh, really organic kind of uh, guerrilla marketing, as they say, that uh, th that really brought the station to life, and it, it put it on the map. That's incredible. Ted, you were a pioneer, really, and people take these mascots for granted nowadays. You know, they have the, the professional suits, and they, they look great, yep. and I think a lot of them have taken their cue from you and the kind of stunts that you used to do. Do you ever look back at that and say, wow, I kind of created all this stuff with a fanatic <laughs> and, you know, the gorilla in Phoenix and all those characters, you started it. Yeah, that's right, Dwight, because in the time that I called BC, before Chicken, <laughs> there were there were virtually no professional mascots. Now, high schools and colleges had them in yeah. a benign sense, right. you know, um, and, but, but certainly not somebody to go out every day in a professional sense and, and do this. But um, uh, it's very interesting that uh, eventually uh, other teams, in fact, they started calling me up asking for advice and, 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 to, and to help mentor them. Um, with uh, with their mascots, and then you know the Olympics caught on, and 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 now it's a groundswell all around the world. Where virtually just about every team and league and event has uh, some kind of mascot. But it all started uh, with what uh, happened by the seat of my tail, basically <laughs> here in San Diego.
Hey, Ted, I wanted to ask you about the uh, contract dispute and the injunction which prevented you from being able to wear the chicken suit from the radio station and the eventual unveiling of the new suit. How'd that go down? Yes. Yes. This was 1979, and after five years of employment with the radio station, we literally came to loggerheads over my career growth in a chicken suit. And what had happened is that the manufacturer was getting a lot of pressure from a lot of, a lot of sources across the country uh, to make a chicken suit uh, for them. But he was out of professional respect. He was not doing so. And, and it got to the point where he, he asked uh, the, the manufacturer of the suit, asked the radio station, you're going to have to buy these copyrights or I'm going to start making these suits nationwide. Uh, and they'll be like department store Santa Clauses across the country. The station didn't care for that too much. I objected. I said, no, no, you have to get the copyrights uh, uh, for it and put it away because uh, we, we, can't, it, we can't look like a franchise uh, wherever. It'll dilute the effectiveness. So we, we literally had philosophical differences about it. And then when they refused on several occasions – to buy the copyright, I told the manufacturer, I'll buy it myself. I, I'll take it off the market. You don't have to worry. I'll buy it out of my own pocket. I did so. The station got upset with me for doing so. They, the, the way they looked at it, they only, the only thing that mattered to them was San Diego County. That's as far as their signal got. They didn't care what happened in St. Louis, Detroit, uh, Denver, any place else. Whatever happened in, in San Diego, that's all that mattered to them. And again, this is the 70s, and there was kind of limited thinking, whereas, uh, you know, with the advent of cable and everything else and, and far-reaching technologies, everything is, was suddenly localized. National was becoming localized. And so I decided, well, I'll, I'll buy this thing myself. And uh, I paid for it out of my pocket. The station didn't like it. They fired me. They filed a lawsuit to prevent me from branching out on my own. but. Wow. To make a long story short, after uh, uh, a few years in and out of the courts, they ruled in my favor and made me a free agent chicken. <laughs> and uh, I broke out on my own uh, as a result, and, and, and now I own uh, two costumes. The one I used to wear at the radio station, and then the, the one that I wore where uh, I decided to debut a new suit while the other one was pending in litigation. I decided to create a new suit and hatch out of a gigantic styrofoam egg at, uh, at a Padre game yeah. uh, to announce uh, my return to the sports scene. <laughs> you know, Ted, over the years, there's so many things I want to ask you about, but over the years, I saw you several times, and you kept creating new bits, new, new little skits that you pulled on the field. The one I remember the most is you had a bunch of little kids in chicken suits, little yeah. chicks <laughs> running around. But I, I'm curious, what was your favorite little thing that you pulled on the field? Well, I, I got to tell you, that has become the all-time fan favorite, the one you just mentioned. And one of the things um, I noticed, uh, Dwight, is that over the years, as you go and, and, and you goof off for fans, the, the players the umpires, the coaches, the fans, the front office, they all come to you with ideas to try. And the idea of dressing up, uh, you know, four or five little kids 
uh, basically kindergarten age to trail me out on the field for an inning <laughs> yeah. and, and, and copy all my moves. That came from a senior executive of the Padres. He said, he said you gotta, you got to try this. And he had it uh, as an experience going home where all the traffic stopped on the freeway to, to watch and, and laugh at a mother duckling escorting her chicks across the, the road to, to get to the river. And, um, and, he, and he called me up, the uh, executive did, and he said, you you gotta you gotta do this. What they do on the field, that's up to you. But man, people were loving it. You know, at drive time, you think they'd be mad, but they were. Everyone was having a good time watching this, and so um, uh, and so I implemented that, and it became a big fan favorite. But there were others as as well. My players would come to me, and and they would say, hey, "Why don't you come over and do the voodoo on us in the dugout? And then yeah. we'll jump you in mass, yeah. you know, and 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 gang tackle you, you know, uh, and, and sack you on the field like a quarterback." And uh, it, again, I go out and I try it, and tremendous response from the audience. the The audience were my editors. That was my they they, they were my editors. They. Uh, if they laughed, it was a keeper. And a lot of these things I tried improvisationally and spontaneously. And if it got a good reaction, I made it a permanent part of the repertoire. Another big fan favorite that I ended up getting sued for, but one, was when I had a Barney lookalike character, Barney the Dinosaur, yeah. <laughs> come out on the field and challenge me to a dance-off that he would win by breakdancing on me eventually. And... and uh, uh, and uh, the, the people from Barney got upset. They took me to court to stop it. But again, the courts the courts said that's a First Amendment right. He has every right to do a parody or a satire on anybody and anything, at any time. And that's that's what the uh, it, it's a joke. It's it's a satire. And and if, if people look carefully, I even satirize myself in my own shows. Yeah. So it's it's not like I'm uh, you know I'm a foil myself, but. Uh, you know, to do a little simple parody that the audience and especially the kids loved so much. It, it, I, I loved it. And I, I got to tell you, no one has more fun in that entire stadium than I do when I'm performing. And, and I, I've loved it over the decades. Hey, Ted, um, I, I have more questions I want to ask. And there's a couple more stories I want you to share. Would it be OK if we take a commercial break and then bring you back for another segment to close out the hour? Sure. Sure. Thanks, guys. The Rip City Drive, brought to you by Lazy Boy. What's your strategy for comfort? Here on 620 Rip City Radio. Download the free iHeartRadio app for all your music, radio, and podcasts. All right, we're talking with the San Diego chicken, Ted Giannullis, sharing his story, which is terrific. Ted, thank you for uh, staying with us. Uh, you got to share the story for everyone. I think it was 79, but the time where you had a chance to meet uh, Gerald Ford. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was 1976, believe it or not. 1976, uh, his campaign uh, for the presidency was passing through San Diego in, in late October. We're talking that 10 days before the election. And I get a call from the White House asking me if I would be one of the dignitaries uh, to, to greet to greet President Ford uh, when he uh, had his rally in San Diego. And I was flabbergasted by the opportunity and, and highly honored. Oh, for heaven's sakes. And, and, and you know what? I wasn't even eligible at the time to be a citizen. I just had my blue, my green card, because I was still a Canadian citizen. But here, here's the, uh, the, the, 
the White House asking me to be among the dignitaries to welcome the president. I, I was b- beside myself. Yes, of course. And, and so um, uh, I was up there on the stage with Zsa Zsa Gabor and Shirley Babishoff, the Olympic swimmer who had just won uh, gold medals in, in the Montreal Olympics. And uh, Rod McEwen, the poet, was up there. John Wayne, um, uh, Wayne Newton, of course. And and um, and President Ford is at the podium welcoming all the all the guests at the, at this huge rally, twenty thousand people in the parking lot of a shopping uh, mall in in San Diego, and it was packed shoulder to shoulder, and uh, it, it was it was nuts. And so he's welcoming everybody, thanking them for for uh, uh, being there, and finally he gets to me to, to welcome me. And he says, and of course, uh, the chicken. And the crowd goes nuts. And then President Ford says, you know, I just love that chicken. And the crowd goes even crazier. So there I am, about 50 feet away. I said, this this calls for some action. That does it. <laughs> I dart across the stage. I literally dart across the stage with my arms extended, hugged the President of the United States behind the podium, brought him out from the podium, raised his arms in victory. The, oh, the crowd is going in hysterics. Uh, they can't believe this is happening. <laughs> and, and no Secret Service tried to tackle me. Nobody came out. Not us. Everybody's laughing. Um, and and uh, I, I shake his hand, I, uh, and I collect myself, and I go right back. Uh, to run back to my position, and I'm thinking, oh boy, they are going to kill me when I get off this stage. I just know it. But every everyone is is uh, uh, pretty happy, and finally the president's ready to begin his speech, and we're all escorted off the stage, and I'm the last one to leave. And as I'm go- going down the steps, I feel a hand on my shoulder, and it says, uh, Mr. Chicken, we need a word with you, please. <laughs> I said, I turn around. I go, don't worry, officers, I'll go along peacefully. <laughs> but but it was not the Secret Service. It was the press secretary, Ron Nesson. And I recognize him because he used to be an NBC correspondent. Yeah. And he says to me, I'm Ron Nesson. I'm the press secretary, the President Ford. Uh, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. His name is James Naughton. He's the senior political editor of the New York Times. And he's standing there, and I'm going, wow, I guess he wants my opinion on stuff. Okay, sure. And and uh, Jim Naughton says, uh, kid, what you just pulled out there was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire career covering politics. And he says to me, will you sell me your outfit? And I go, what? I, 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 I This is how I earn my living. I can't sell it to you. And then Ron Nesson says to me, is there anything you can do for Jim? He's quite the practical joker. And I told him, well, I, I tell you what, I've got a spare head I can let you have. And he says, spare head, deal. Uh, I'll take it. So I gave him my spare head from the parking lot. And wouldn't you know it, two days later, there's a press conference of all places on the tarmac of a Portland airport, Portland Municipal Airport where uh, Ford was going by to, to hold another rally. And he holds an impromptu uh, uh, press conference there. And who shows up in the uh, in that press conference? 
wearing the chicken head with his three-piece suit. But James Naughton, the oh. senior political editor of the New York Times. Oh, wow. And Ford got such a kick out of that that after the uh, press conference, he asked uh, Naughton, you got to let me have that head for my archives. Please say that you'll give me that head. Jim Naughton says, you can have it, Mr. President. <laughs> Today, that very head sits proudly in the Gerald R. Ford Library and Museum in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Great story, Ted. I, I got to ask you now, though, uh, I assume you're probably retired somewhere to a chicken ranch, but what exactly <laughs> are you doing at this point of your life? Well, I'm in semi-retirement, so I haven't done any uh, live performances um, uh, since the pandemic years. Uh, and um, and so now I just do, uh, believe it or not, uh, uh, interviews, conventions, trade shows, um, uh, those those types of things, parades, that sort of thing. Uh, to go out and perform for uh, an entire game, uh, I tell you guys, the heart is willing, but the bones are saying, not so fast, buddy. And um, so, I, uh, you know, I can't perform the way uh, I used to. I've been doing this now for 48, 49 years. Wow. I still enjoy it. I still have fun with it. But, uh, uh, you know, you know I, can't, I can't say that I've got my, my fastball for uh, for performing like I, I used to because so much of what I do is so slapstick and physical that uh, I'm at age 69 now wow. and and uh, yeah it just uh, it just can't be done I wish it could but you know that that's how things go sometimes but I'll still do you know uh, uh, appearances that might not call for a lot of physical activity mm. well Ted. We really thank you for your time. Love your story, and uh, it's awesome. So thank you so much for sharing it with the people here in Portland. Well, well, thank you. You know, anytime I've been to Portland, I've been there for the Blazers and, and the Beavers. I've even been to Hillsboro there for the Hops and, and in the general vicinity. It's always been fun. Those audiences are electric up there for sports, and uh, they were always a great audience uh, for me to perform for. So it's great to, to take a moment and share these stories uh, with your listenership. Thanks again. You got it. There you go. Ted Giannullis, the uh, San Diego Chicken here on the Rip City Drive. That was pretty enjoyable, Godfather. Uh, where else can you hear the chick? Huh? Yeah. This is where you need to be. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.